What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your man Kmart. Um, typically, like when I start my shows, I will typically have like a music intro. We'll kind of give you guys kind of like an intro of what I will be discussing. Um, not that's not really gonna be the case this week. I'm gonna kind of give you guys like a little um my thoughts on the Demar um Hamlet situation. Um, this is basically all this is based off my Eagles on podcast. Um, I kind of spoke about it in length earlier and I'm going to, you're basically going to just kind of hear that. And then from there, we're going to just kind of pick up with the show. So let's get to it. What's going on, everybody? It's your man, K. Mark. Welcome you back to another episode of the Eagles on podcast. As our beloved birds took another L last weekend to the New Orleans Saints 20 to 10. And for the second straight week, not able to clinch the best record in the NFC as well as the NFC East. However, uh, before I begin with that, first and foremost, uh, I would be remiss if I did not uh, give um the proper respects to uh, DeMar uh, Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. Um, as many of you know, last Monday night, um, there was a situation where he made a tackle. He got up, um, got up, looked like everything was fine. However, stumbled back down. Come to find out he had cardiac arrest on the field. Man, at only 24 years old, I believe in the second year, that this could happen and the young man for the most part was fighting for his life um shout out to the medical staff at paul brown stadium as well as the bills trainers uh, who were johnny on the spot and i mean god bless them god bless them because they were able to do what they needed to do to get this young man at least to the point where he can his life can be could be saved and Pretty much, it was kind of touch and go. Um, I didn't really see the play happen. Um, I remember I was out uh, running some errands and I was heading home. And shout out to my boy, uh, my boy E. Witt. Um, he hit me up and said, "Bro, hey, there's there's a player from Buffalo laid laid out uh, laid out on the field. He just collapsed." I'm like, "What?" And so I'm thinking, like, okay, he probably just got a concussion or something like that. And Come to find out, I mean, yeah, there's they're they're saying that they're administering uh, administering CPR. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We've never seen anything like this. I mean, we've seen the stretcher come out for players with like in, like injured necks or something like that, something to do with the head area where they just can't get up and move. But we've never seen it to the point where CPR had to be administered on the field. And it was scary. It was just flat out scary. And I mean, we didn't like my wife. I mean, she's not really a big football player. I mean, a football fan. However, she will watch with me from time to time. And she was like kind of just hooked on what was going on. And it was one of the things that it definitely brings things to its proper perspective about the game of football. I mean, I know a lot of us. I mean, we have. Uh, favorite players, favorite teams, who we root for, and we want to, them to win, like want them to win the Super Bowl. However, stuff like this kind of makes you pause and just remember, making you remember that it, it's just a game. And the most important thing for these players is that they're able to walk off this field 
um, and just being able to go home to their families because at the end of the day, these players are making making sacrifices with their body to help their families. Um, I mean, they, they may be like that one quote unquote lottery ticket winner just due to ability by chance to make it to the NFL. And yeah, um, it definitely, like I said, it definitely gave me cause to pause a little bit. Um, it makes me think about whenever my son, if he if he chooses and wants to uh, to play football, I know it's one one of the things as his father. Um, and this is probably something that I will probably me and my wife will probably have to discuss as we when we get to that point. I know just for me right now, it's probably one of the things where I would definitely caution him on. I would definitely caution him on the risk. Um, I would definitely kind of show him like, hey, look, these are things that that could happen. I mean, mind you, I mean, I mean, I've been watching football since basically 1994. Well, 93. Yeah, I would say 94. Um, and yeah, I've seen all types of injuries. I've seen broken legs. I've seen. Hey, hell, I seen the Joe. Th- um, I seen highlights of the Joe Theismann hit on uh, that Lawrence Taylor delivered him back in 85. I seen Napoleon McCallum. Uh, break uh, break his leg. I've seen Bryant Young break his break, like literally break his leg, and to where his stuff is like on, like looking on the other side. And I see, I mean, see, I mean, we've seen concussions, we've seen all types of stuff. However, we have never, ever, ever seen a situation where a player is literally fighting for his life on the field while we're watching. And yeah, it's one of the things where, yeah, my wife and I, we definitely would have that talk with him. However, as a father, I mean, I can only just provide him with the information. However, if he decides, I mean, the only thing I could best do is just be there, support him, be there for every game and just pray. Just say a prayer every time he gets off the field, because at the end of the day, I will want my son to come off that field and I could just tell him, win or lose, good job. Good job, son. But, I mean, it definitely had to be something crazy for her. Because I believe his, mo- his mother was, was at the game. And, of course, she's in a frenzy trying to get down to see her baby. And, man, I, I, couldn't, I can't imagine. I, couldn't, I could not imagine what the thoughts that were racing through her head. I mean, this is her baby. This is who she birthed. She raised. She's seen go to go to go to high school games, college in college and now on the pros. And what kind of emotions is she having? And so like I said, I mean this definitely brings puts everything in perspective. Um as I was getting ready to record, I did get the message. Now I mean as of like kind of right now <clears throat> You're saying that his yeah, he's improving. Thank God he's he's improving. His health um, is looking to stabilize and getting back to getting to some normalcy. So that's good. They said that he he had woken up and he was holding hands with family members. They said one of the first things he asked is uh, he kind of wrote who won the game, and the doctor said you won. You won the game of life, which is honestly the most important thing, the most important win that. He can have the Buffalo Bills can have the Mavic, the entire NFL could have was this young man waking up 
and being able to at least kind of be somewhat in his right mind because, I mean, we've seen where blood circulation is cut off to the brain. I mean, there could be some some serious damage that can never be repaired. Um, for those who don't know, I mean, similar situation happened with my pop, not necessarily him playing football, but oxygen was cut off to his head because he... Yeah, because, I mean, he had trouble breathing. He was in the hospital. He somehow, I, I, I still to this day, I don't know how he was still unable to, to breathe. However, doctors didn't get to him fast enough. And he was out for like a few, like a, about five minutes. And he ended up having to go into a coma and eventually passing away several months later. But the the biggest, our biggest concern was that was he going to, be able to function, able to actually live a, a somewhat of a normal life, because as we know, like when oxygen is cut off to the brain, so many crazy things can happen. And that was my concern: was that it bump bump the NFL? What was his going? What was his life going to be after the fact? And so, I mean, like I said, I mean, thank goodness that I mean he started to he's starting to kind of regain a lot of his functions. Um, they stated today when I was getting ready to put, I was getting ready to do this podcast was that he um, did a face he did a FaceTime with um, his play uh, with the bill his uh, his with his teammates in their meeting and just letting them know that he's okay and so I mean honestly man glory to God on that one glory to God because I mean man so so much could have happened and I'm just glad that I mean at least he's starting to get. Um, regain a lot of the functions that was going on and so um, but like I said I mean I would be remiss and honestly that would be in poor taste of me if I did not acknowledge that because I mean we all love this game this game of football it provides us with like so much entertainment so much content I mean I always tell everybody I mean the NFL is like a, a year-long uh, soap opera starting from the end of this from uh, the end of his end of the season to like the dr- the combine, the draft, free agency, um, OTAs, mini camps, um, <laughs> um, training camps, preseason, regular season, onto the playoffs, Super Bowl, well, playoffs, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl, and it starts all over again. It starts all over again. I mean, we may get like a little break. After the Super Bowl until like about March, however, after that, I mean, we're back, we're back in this this crazy cycle again. So, but like I said, um, this game, this game means a lot to us. I mean, honestly, football is still, in my opinion, and honestly, and the numbers show that this is still the most watched sport in the world. I mean, I know a lot of people say soccer, some may say the NBA. However, football, NFL, in my opinion, trumps all those sports, and so. Um, so with that being said, yeah, I want to, um, kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy. I mean, I know it's very difficult to do, especially dealing with the situation that, that a lot of us have been kind of dealing with. And matter of fact, before I even get to there, I mean, it's really going to be interesting. Um, it's very, very interesting on how this is going to play out in terms of for the AFC. I mean, from what I'm, from what I saw, that yesterday the league has stated that if the Bills and Chiefs meet up or the Bills and Bengals meet up in the title game, I mean, it's going to possibly be played at a neutral site. And I was sitting there thinking, like, where could this game be uh, taking place at? 
I mean, I, I would say maybe a place like Pittsburgh. I mean, honestly, I mean, all three of those teams pretty much cold from uh, come from cold weather's cold, cold weather environments, and I think maybe like a neutral site, maybe like Pittsburgh, will be good. I mean, I don't know if, if they're gonna just look at like in terms of an AFC city. Honestly, I think I think it'd probably be best to have it maybe in the AFC city, um, outdoors in the elements. I think would be perfect. Um, or if 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 they decide to maybe go another route, uh, maybe Chicago. Because, I mean, it's not like the Bears are going to use that field anytime uh, uh, in January. Chicago, I will say another. Pittsburgh is another. Um, maybe Charlotte. And honestly, I think that's about it. Maybe if the Titans don't make it, maybe Nashville. But. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start off with some college football. Last Saturday um, was a pretty, a pretty epic weekend for the BCS uh, the BCS playoffs. Uh, it all started in, here in Glendale with my Michigan Wolverines taking on uh, TCU. Uh, and my Wolverines, they came up short in a 51-45 defeat. Um, honestly... My opinion, it was definitely a sloppy game by uh, by the Wolverines. Um, one thing I will say, TCU, they came out to play, and they basically took it right to the Wolverines um, with two pick sixes in the game, um, a Max du- uh, a Max Duggan uh, TD run, another uh, TD pass from Max Duggan, and you basically you're behind 21 to six at halftime in a shocker. Um, I will give definitely give the uh, the Wolverines some credit by fighting back. However, I mean even entering the fourth quarter, they trail 41 to 30. Uh, Michigan um, arguably have, having one of the better defenses in the country were basically getting shredded by TCU. I mean a lot of people honestly they look past TCU, even including myself. Um, I didn't believe that TCU would be able to put it on the, the Wolverine defense like they did, and man, boy was I surprised. But uh, once again, I mean, Michigan, hey, they made a valiant effort um, in the fourth quarter. Um, just unfortunately, they fell short at the end. Um, they just couldn't get it done when they needed most. I mean, they couldn't get the stops against um, against TCU. However, like I said, me and the backbreaker, the backbreaker, it was third. It was like about third and about six. And Duggan hit Quentin Johnson for a 76-yard TD pass. Mind you, uh, the DB had a shot to bring down Johnston before he got even got to the first down. That would have set up Michigan with a, a golden opportunity to possibly take the lead and win the game. However, uh, tackle was missed, and Johnston went all the way for a touchdown. Um, definitely um, definitely um, a little controversy a little bit earlier in the first, uh, in the first half. Um, a TD pass that appeared to uh, – there's a touchdown pass that appeared to cross the goal line However, um, it was down. It, uh, it was ruled down short of the short of the goal line, and the next play, Michigan fumbled. Um, but it's a controversy. However, I mean, can't really use that as an excuse because Michigan, like I said, they made too many other mistakes. I mean, do you go forward on fourth down and you basically run the Philly special? Come on now. Like I always say, often emulated but never duplicated. Yes, yes, yes. And honestly, yeah. 
TCU, they did what they needed to do. Um, like I said, they like I said, they were basically marching up and down the field against the Wolverines. And honestly, it was not pretty, especially against this defense. TCU was uh um eight of sixteen on third down on third down efficiency and yeah. And that that's basically kind of like the story of the game right there. Just Michigan's defense could not get off the field. Um but overall Overall, I mean, shout out to TCU. They did what they needed to do. So now they move on to the championship game for the first time in school history. And let's move to the second uh, semifinal matchup, which pit um, the Georgia Bulldogs taking on that school from the South, a.k.a. Ohio State. Um, Georgia, Georgia held on for dear life um, to preserve that victory. Um where Ohio State, unfortunately, they missed the field goal. Well, fortunately, fortunately, for, fortunately for me, <laughs> um, Ohio State uh, missed the field goal basically right at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve, and Georgia was able to move on to the national title game. But, no, I mean, you got to give Ohio State credit because they definitely, as an underdog, they definitely showed up and showed out. Honestly, I thought this was going to be a blowout, but no. No, Ohio State, no, they definitely showed themselves all very well. They played very well during this game and led majority of this game um, and going into the fourth quarter, leading 38 to 24. However, um, Stinson, Stinson Bennett was able to come through on some big plays and Ohio State and uh, Georgia was able to um, grab the lead. Ohio State, in terms of uh, C.J. Stroud, awesome performance, awesome performance, especially against a defense like this. I have not seen Georgia's defense shredded the way that they were shredded this game. I mean, C.J. Stroud, I mean, he basically he basically did nothing but boast his status during this uh, this uh, coming draft, and I believe he definitely will be the number one pick, and it looks like he'll probably be a Houston Texan. <laughs> but C.J. Stroud, he was uh, 23 out of 34 for 348 yards and four count of four touchdowns. Um, I think the biggest turning point in the game was when Marvin Harrison went out. I know a lot of Ohio State fans are claiming that it was targeted. However, I don't believe so. I mean, you can't really see him really going straight bang bang for the helmet. It was a simple bang bang play. It's just unfortunate that Marvin Harrison Jr. went out. I mean, as we all, Marvin Harrison Jr., the son of uh, Pro Bowl, uh, NFL Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison Sr., um, is arguably one of the more dynamic wide receivers in the country. And he's definitely going to be a player, especially when he gets to the next level. But like I said, I mean, you got to give Ohio State credit. Like I said, I mean, they fought hard. Um, I know myself, I didn't believe that they deserved to be in the BCS in the, um, in the playoffs. However, Hey, the selection committee thought otherwise. And like I said, I mean, they definitely showed themselves very well during this matchup. So salute to them. Uh, definitely know that they're going to be back next year. And of course it's going to be another epic battle this year at the big house between the, um, Ohio state and Michigan. So yeah, I mean, this is going to be a very epic championship game. Um, I actually have the Bulldogs. Um, they're 14 and 0 coming in, um, taking on TCU that they're 13 and one. Um, Georgia is favored by 12 and a half. Uh, usually, you know what? I think this is going to be a closer game than most expect. 
I mean, I already like Max Duggan. I mean, I told you guys that maybe about uh, several weeks ago during the um, during the championship games. Um, but with just the way that he played against Kansas State, I mean, he bought out and he bought his team back and had a good shot at winning this game. But um, right now, I mean, Georgia's defense, um, they did appear to be leaking a little bit of oil, uh, especially against a team like Ohio State. Uh, TCU, I mean, they've averaged 41 points per game, while uh, while Georgia has only given up 12.8. So it's definitely going to be very interesting to see kind of how this how this whole matchup plays out. But one thing I will definitely say, I mean, if once TCU, I mean, if TCU, they have to stay in the game early. They cannot let Georgia knock them out, especially with the with the with the surge on offense and the surge on defense. They have to definitely counter the early start. And if they can kind of stay in the game, kind of going into the half, I think they'll have an extra excellent shot at winning this game. But looking at the spread right now, like I stated, um, Georgia, they're um, favored by 12 and a half. Um, the over under is 63 points. Um, I have Georgia winning. Um, I actually have Georgia winning, uh, 31 to 24. Um, I believe, like I said, I believe it's going to be a good game, a very close game, but I just think Georgia has the experience as well as, as well as the talent to pull this game off. I mean, like I said, I mean, Hey, I wouldn't be mad if TCU won. But you know what? Hey, let's see what happens. I mean, Georgia's looking to become um, a, one of the rare repeat champions in co- in college football. So they'll probably they'll probably call them a, a quote unquote mini dynasty. So I mean, it's, it'll be a hell of an accomplishment for the Bulldogs if they indeed they can pull that off. Um, I know I got um, some Bulldog fans back in um, back in Georgia specifically, so I know they'll definitely be will we'll be glued to that game. And so, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna take a quick break, and we will be talking about the NFL playoffs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right back into it. So we got uh, week 18 of the NFL season and so much is going on during this week. Um, I'm here to bring it all to you. And so let's get let's get down with the get down. So we're going to start with a playoff clinching scenario and we're going to start with the AFC. So as many of you know, um, earlier today, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, they demolished the Oakland, uh, the, oh, let me not say Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders. I'm still getting, still trying to get used to that. But um, the, the Chiefs de- demolished the Las Vegas Raiders. And with that, with that, accompanied by some of the situations that took place um, with the Bengals, with, with, um, regarding the Bengals, Bills, and the Chiefs, the Chiefs have now clinched the number one spot in the AFC. That's followed up by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Buffalo, uh, unfortunately, they cannot earn another um, another fir- uh, the first round bye, but they can still throw a wrench into the AFC playoffs. If Buffalo beats the Patriots, that means the AFC title game will be um, be played at a neutral site if Buffalo and Kansas City end up playing each other. A win by the Bills would also eliminate the Patriots. Um, moving on, looking at the Cincinnati Bengals, um, they are now. Um, 
they locked up the three seed uh, as well as the AFC um, as the AFC North champion. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be hosting a wild card game. Um, if the Bengals lose to the Ravens and end up playing Baltimore in the wild card round, then the NFL will hold a coin flip to determine which team will host that game. However, if the Bengals beat the Ravens, then they'll uh, they'll host the wild card game. Um, earlier um, this evening, uh, earlier this evening, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars wrapped up the AFC South as they knocked off the Tennessee Titans. So, looks like they will now host a wild card game against either the Chargers or the Ravens, which could definitely be interesting considering Jacksonville beat both of those teams during the regular season. The LA Chargers are once again back in the playoff. Um, they play the they hold they uh play the Denver Broncos on Sunday, which is actually a good thing for the Chargers because it means that that there's a chance that they might be able to rest some starters. Because if the Ravens lose to the Bengals earlier, then the Chargers will clinch the fifth seed before they even take the field. And in that case, they will be able to bench their starters. However, if the Ravens were to win, the Chargers will need to beat the Broncos to clinch the fifth seed. Um, looking at the Baltimore Ravens, um, they can't win the AFC South, but they can still host a playoff game. How? Because if the Ravens were to beat the Bengals on Sunday, then they um, then they'll play Cincinnati in the in, um, in the wild card round in Baltimore, um, and that is due to the. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry that um, the NFL like they'll hold a coin flip to determine where the games will be played. Um, if the Ravens beat the Bengals, they'll also have a shot to move up to the fifth seed, but only if the Chargers lose to the Broncos. And the seventh spot, which is the, the Patriots, um, they currently hold the seventh spot, and they basically can win. Um, they can clinch it by uh, knocking off the Bills. Um, the teams that are still alive, you have Miami, who was eight and eight, as well as Pittsburgh, who was also eight and eight. Uh, uh, the Dolphins, they play the Jets. Um, if <coughs> excuse me, if the Dolphins beat the Jets um, on Sunday, they'll um, get the AFC's final uh, wild card spot. If the Patriots also lose to the Bill. Uh, the Patriots um, lose to the Bills. Um, the Steelers. The Steelers. They're eight and eight as well. Um, in order for them to make the playoffs, three things will need to happen. They will have to beat the Browns. The Patriots would have to lose to the Bills, and the Dolphins will have to lose to the Jets. So a lot of stuff going on with the AFC. Uh, the Titans, uh, due to the loss uh, this evening against the Jaguars, are officially eliminated. Moving on to the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it's basically pretty simple for them. Just beat the just beat the Giants, who were not playing their starters. Simple as that. Simple as that. However, if they somehow in some cockamamie, crazy nuclear eclipse takes place, um, the Eagles could drop to the uh, to the fifth seed if the Cowboys. Um, if the Cowboys uh, beat the Commanders, or um, yeah, if the Cowboys uh, lose, beat the Commanders, and the Eagles lose, then yes, Dallas gets the number uh, one seat. However, the number um, in the forty, the San Francisco 49ers, who have a pretty good lock at number two. Um, if the Niners beat the Cardinals on Sunday, they'll guarantee themselves at least the second seat in the NFC, and they can move up to the number one seat if. The combination of the Eagles losing to the Giants and the Cowboys um, losing 
I'm sorry. Um, matter of fact, I'm sorry. If the Eagles lose to the Giants, however, on the other hand, the 49ers could drop to the Thursday if they lose and the Vikings win. Now, the, speaking of the, those Vikings, uh, they are the number three seed. They can't. Uh, they cannot uh, get the top seed just due to uh, due to the lack of um, the lack of victories. But they can still move up to the two spot. However, they uh, they need to beat the Bears. And they need the 49ers to lose to the Cardinals. And then the Cardinals uh, will finish with the number two spot. Otherwise, they're stuck at the three spot. Uh, looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, basically, they're uh, they're basically sent not um, clinched into the number four spot. Can't really do much else. So really don't really expect Tom Brady to really play much. But I'll get into that in a minute. Um Looking at the Cowboys, who are the number uh, the number fifth seed, uh, the Cowboys could still win the NFC East, but in order for that to happen, uh, they have to beat the Commanders and hope that the Giants uh, beat the Eagles. If both of those things do happen, they could also get the number one seed if the 49ers also lose to the Cardinals. On the other hand, if Philadelphia wins, then the Cowboys will be locked into the fifth seed no matter what else happens in week 18. The New York Giants, they're basically uh, clinched into, um, they're basically locked into the number six seed. So basically they will be resting their starters um, to come Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the number seven seed, uh, Seattle. The Seahawks currently, uh, <coughs> they, uh, they currently operate the seventh spot, but they are going to need some help to actually make the playoff. If Seattle wants to get to the postseason, um, the Seahawks would need to beat the Rams and have the Packers lose to the Lions on Sunday Night Football. Um, now, on to those who are still alive. The Lions, they are 8-8. Eight and eight. And to get into the playoffs, um, they would need two things to happen. First, they need to beat the Packers. And secondly, they'll also need the Seahawks to lose to the Rams. And, and as well as the Packers, they're 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, although the Packers currently are below the Lions and the Seahawks, they're actually the only team, the um, the only only one out of the out of the three teams that actually controls their own fate. Simply putting, Packers just need to beat the Lions on Sunday night at Lambeau Field in order to make the playoff. However, I will say this: do not sleep on Detroit on trying to get this dub because I don't know if anybody's noticed. However, Detroit the last couple of years has played Green Bay, Green Bay very well and especially at Lambeau Field. I believe they won in Lambeau Field maybe about a couple years ago. So, right now, I mean, it's not a lot, but uh, I definitely expect the Packers to possibly win that game. Um, So, basically the way that it's looking right now is that if the playoffs were to start today, right now, the Patriots would be on the road taking on Buffalo. Uh, The Bengals and the the Ravens, they will have that coin flip to determine who uh, where the game will be played and finally the Chargers will, will, will be on the road against Jacksonville the Chiefs will be the only team with the bye remember remember it's not the, not two buys it's only one bye now looking at the NFC um, it's a little bit more simpler over there uh, you'll have if the playoffs started once again the playoffs started right now the Seahawks will be at San Francisco to take on the 49ers oh my god that will be very juicy between two heated rivals uh, then you also have uh, the New York Giants uh, going on the road to take on the Minnesota Vikings and then you have probably the more ju- the most juiciest matchup in the wild card where you'll have Dallas taking on Tampa Bay 
So yeah, I mean, it's a lot going on. It's, it's definitely a lot going on this week. Um, just want to kind of highlight the um, the important games this Sunday. Um, the Patriots, um, they go on the road to take on the Buffalo Bills. Um, I definitely have the Buffalo Bills winning that game and trying to at least keep that spot to where uh, if there was a matchup in the AFC title game that it would be at a neutral site. So right now, Buffalo is the seven and a half point favorite. I have them um, winning that game um, in a big fashion to move on to the playoffs. Um, then you have Baltimore taking on the Bengals. Um, Cincinnati is a nine as a nine point favorite. I actually have Cincinnati winning that game and basically trying to keep uh, keep pace um, with Buffalo. Um, the Jets against the Dolphins. Uh, that game is in, I believe it's in um, Miami, where the Dolphins are three and a half point favorite. Um, you know, I would not be surprised if the Jets pull this game out just to throw a wrench into Miami's plans. Uh, I don't believe Tua Tonga Vailoa will play this game. Um, once again, um, he had a concussion uh, uh, last week after, um, no, I'm sorry, two weeks ago. So um, his uh, status is very much in question. Uh, I really haven't heard too much if he's going to play. Um, but it may be um, their third string quarterback because Teddy Bridgewater is also questionable. So it's definitely going to be interesting times down in Miami. And then you have uh, the Eagles and the Giants. The Eagles are a 16-point favorite uh, going into this game. Um, as you know, like I said, uh, I already gave you kind of what the Eagles need to do. And then you have the Lions going on the road to face the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay is a five-point favorite. I do expect the Packers to win this game, but I do expect this game to be very close because, for one, Detroit, they have been playing very well as of late uh, behind uh, Coach Dan Campbell. Uh, they've been playing very tough, and I definitely would not be surprised if somehow Detroit pulled out uh, this victory. But I got the Packers uh, winning this game. And so, and moving on to the playoffs. Um, looking at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, um, I got um, I got the list of the pro of the finest for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, as we all know, I me mean, this is always controversial because there's always somebody that there's always a player who most believe should get in, and and a lot of these people um, uh, players are overlooked. So I'm going to start off first with. Uh, former defensive end uh, for the Vikings, um, Chiefs, uh, Bears, and Panthers, Jared Allen. Uh, former offensive tackle from the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens, Willie Anderson. Cornerback safety from the Buccaneers, Rondé Barber. Dwight Freeney, outside uh, defensive end for the uh, most, form, um, most notably for the Indianapolis Colts. Devin Hester, Arguably the greatest uh, kick and punt returner of all time from the Chicago, mostly formerly of the Chicago Bears. He's definitely, I believe he should definitely be a shoe in to get in. Torrey, the big game Holt, formerly of the St. Louis Rams. Uh, he's um, he's on the list. Andre Johnson, um, noted mostly for his time in Houston. He's on the list. Former cornerback, great Albert Lewis. My goodness, man. If y'all don't y'all don't know about Albert Lewis, man, go and put some tape. That dude has some wheels on him and some excellent cover skills. Um, he's one of a fine, one of the finalists, and I really hope he gets in. I definitely hope he gets in. Uh, Darrell Revis, uh, man, RB one of the great, one of one of the all-time great corners in, in NFL history. Um, not most notably for the New York Jets, and he actually won a Super Bowl 
um, championship with the New England Patriots during the 2014 season. Um, tackle Joe Thomas of the Cleveland Browns. Um, linebacker Zach Thomas, known, most known before the Miami Dolphins. Um, he's on the list. Uh, I definitely um, don't have a problem with him getting in. I mean, very undersized linebacker, but was able to get it done. Uh, Demarcus Ware, Demarcus Ware, outside linebacker and defensive end, uh, most notably for the Cowboys, and he um, ended up winning, winning the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos during the 2015 season. Uh, Colts um, wide receiver, uh, former wide receiver Reggie Wayne, um, linebacker uh, for the 40, uh, from, um, and former 49er player Patrick Willis, and all-pro uh, former standout for the Dallas Cowboys, Darren Woodson. Um, those are the lists of players who uh, who are, are the finalists. Uh, however, I believe there are some players who definitely needs to get in ASAP. I'm going to throw out at least my top five players who should be on that list. Um, honorable mention, I'm going to say Lester Hayes. Um, former uh, All-Pro cornerback for um, the Oakland Raiders, he definitely should be getting it. Um, he won three uh, three Super Bowls for the, the for the Silver and Black, um, being one of the all-time top lockdown corners. Also invented Stick'em <laughs> for those who don't know, but uh, he definitely is an honorable mention. I definitely hope that he gets it sooner rather than well, it's been a while, but he should be getting it. Um, number five, um, I'm going to say Clay Matthews. He definitely should be. Uh, Clay played 19 seasons in the NFL and outside linebacker. I mean, man, you do not see that nowadays. But no, Clay, Clay Matthews was a beast. He was a beast out there on the field. I remember, I do remember like seeing highlights of him as well as um, maybe looking at some old games. But I mean, he definitely was a game wrecker out there. Um, and arguably, man, probably one of the uh, more notable families out there, the Matthews family. I mean, you have Clay, you have his brother uh, Bruce Matthews, and as well as his son um, Clay Matthews Jr. for the Green Bay Packers, um, who uh, was definitely a beast back in his day. So I definitely uh, Clay Matthews definitely one that definitely deserves to go to the Hall of Fame. Um, another um, I'm gonna say is Devin Hester. Um, he definitely deserves to be in there. Like I stated, uh, one of the greatest um, kick and put returners of all time. He definitely deserves to be in there. The next person I believe that should get in, and he's been so vastly underrated, is Roger Craig uh, of the 49ers. He definitely, he was a, uh, he was one of the first multi-purpose backs. Um, he could do it all, catch run out of the backfield. I mean, man, he was one of the all-time great winning three Super Bowls with the 49ers. And yeah, I definitely believe he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Another, um, like I stated earlier, Zach Thomas, I believe he should definitely um, warrant some consideration for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And my number one player who I believe that should get in, and unfortunately his career was uh, severely sh uh, cut short. He played from 88 to 94, and that is former Green Bay Packer wide receiver Sterling Sharp, brother, um, older brother of Shannon Sharp. I believe Sterling should get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, Sterling has the numbers. Mind you, for those who had not seen Sterling Sharp play, that dude was a beast. Sterling was a big body receiver. 
it's um he could do it all. I mean, he uh, he had the speed to get deep, but he was a big possession receiver. If I had some, if I had to compare him to anybody, I probably would compare him to uh, former Arizona wide receiver Anquan Bolden. Uh, they both had the big body, um, and basically were not afraid of contact. Sterling was a, a touchdown machine, and yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate that his career was cut short. Um, I know, like for the first maybe three or four years of his career, he was playing with quarterback like such as Don Mikowski and basically had no shot in Green Bay. However, that all changed in '92 with the arrival of, of head coach Mike Holmgren as well as um, Brett Favre, and then from there you start to see progression. And then the next year, um, Brett uh, and, and the Packers made it to the playoffs. Sterling had a big game in, in Detroit and to help the Packers, including uh, three touchdowns, including the game winner to move them to the next round. 94, Sterling had a number, uh, had a very solid season. And unfortunately, um, he had issues with his neck. He had issues with his neck and how unfortunately, me, his uh, neck, um, during I believe the second to last game of the regular season, uh, he went down with a neck injury. It was forced to miss the rest of the regular season and unfortunately retired that offseason. So, no, I believe Sterling Sharp would have definitely shattered some records. Uh, I don't believe he would have caught Jerry Rice in terms of records because I just don't believe Sterling would have played that as long as Jerry did. But I believe Sterling would have definitely had better numbers than what he has right now and definitely would be a shoe-in for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. My thing is, though, you put Gail Sayers in there. You put Terrell Davis in there. Both those players had very short careers. The um, NFL, they definitely need the voters. They definitely need to do right by adding Sterling Sharp in there as well. So I'm done with my soapbox, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, with that being said, that brings us to a close with another episode of the 310 Podcast. want to thank you guys for listening. Um, subscribe to the show. Um, leave me um, leave me uh, a star wherever you believe I deserve and as well as man, share the show so with that being said if you want to reach out uh, you can hit me up at the310podcast at gmail.com and if you want to find me on Twitter you can find me at MrKbar81 so with that being said I'll catch you with you later peace out